Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. From the lakefront to the riverfront, this is where Wisconsin sports fans come to talk. The Bill Michael Show. Now, here's your host, Bill Michaels. Welcome back on this green and gold Monday. How we're looking. The Packers get a win. They are the top of the uh, top dog in the NFC North. They're the top dog in the NFC right now. And we're going to talk more about this coming up here in about 15 minutes. Mike Clemens, our green and gold insider, is going to be here. And we'll talk with Mike and break uh, down everything from yesterday here from inside the locker room and get his thoughts on a lot of this as well. But kind of the battle cry today is why not the Green Bay Packers? When you look around the rest, we'll start with the AFC, okay? When you look around the rest of the AFC right now, uh, the Chiefs and the Steelers are the top two teams. Okay, And the Steelers, by the way, they lost to the Bills last night. Now, the Steelers have clinched a playoff spot. They are 11-2. and two. They have now succumbed to the Chiefs, who are still 12-1. and one. Chiefs getting that win, even with three interceptions yesterday thrown by Patrick Mahomes. And by the way, yesterday... With what Aaron Rodgers did, throwing three touchdowns and running for one. And the Chiefs, even though they got the win 33-27, Patrick Mahomes throwing three picks. Um, and they're still, look, 12-1. and one, Top dog in the AFC. But I think with all of the discussion regarding Rodgers today, I think... Rodgers over the weekend might have taken over the top spot being the front runner for the MVP. With the numbers that he's putting up, the talent around him, and again, I think that's demeaning to the talent around him, but if you look at what, the, you know, Kansas City is expected to be good again. They have terrific talent. They're the reigning champs, even though Lamar Jackson won the MVP last year as opposed to Patrick Mahomes winning it. Um, I, I still think there's going to be this this vote for, if you will, for the resurgence of Aaron Rodgers in the latter part of his career. I think yesterday he might have taken over that top spot. I mean, I could be wrong, but the the proof will be in a couple of weeks if they if he continues to put up these numbers against Carolina and then does it again against the uh, the Tennessee Titans. I think that will all but solidify him. A, uh, a top spot as far as the MVP goes. But if you go over to the uh, the AFC, the Chiefs and the Steelers, the top two uh, the top two in. The Bills, tops right now in the AFC East. The Titans, tops right now in the AFC South. The Browns are in the postseason. They have not clinched, but they're in right now. They are second 
in the AFC North. While the Colts are second in the AFC South at 9-4, and four, and the Dolphins 8-5, and five, second in the AFC East. So... You know, you look at uh, you look at the way these teams match up right now. You would have the Dolphins playing the Steelers. You would have the Colts playing the Bills. The Browns playing the Titans. The lowest seed remaining then after that weekend would then take on the Kansas City Chiefs. That's the way things would look right now. Now the Ravens they have a game coming up tonight, and it's a good one. Monday Night Football, good one. So if you're going to be sitting down and hunkering down for this one, which I am. I'm kicking the uh, fire on in the fireplace tonight. I'm going to sit down and watch this game. But you got the Browns and the Ravens. And when was the last time a game between the Browns and the Ravens meant something? You know what I mean? Because the Ravens are trying to hang on. The Ravens are just trying to hang in there. Because the Ravens are sitting at 7-5 and five right now, and they are third in the AFC North. They need a win and, and to basically win out and keep pace with the Browns and watch the Browns lose one or two along the way for them to kind of climb back into this thing. In the meantime, you've got the Raiders, who are 7-6, and six, and the Patriots uh, gasping for error at this point, taking on uh, the 6-7 and seven record. They are third in the AFC East, and I just don't think it's going to happen for them. And then, obviously, the Broncos still have an outside chance, but I don't think it's going to happen. So then you go over to the, uh, the NFC side. Packers are the top dog right now. Packers have clinched their division. They've gone up a spot. They are the top dog in the NFC, followed by the Saints, who are first in the NFC South. The Rams, right after them, the third seed. They are first in the NFC West, followed by the 6-7 and seven Washington football team, who are 6-7, and seven, but they're first in the NFC East. So the way it would plan out, which is somewhat of a shame because at 6-7 and seven, you shouldn't be hosting a home game, but nevertheless, they will be. The Arizona Cardinals would travel to New Orleans, and that's not a gimme for New Orleans. I still think the Cardinals aren't ready to fly yet, pardon the pun, but that would be a tough one. Then you would have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the road. This would probably be the game to circle. Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the road to take on the Rams in L.A. That That's one you want to watch. That's a hell of a matchup. Because then you have the Seahawks that would be on the road. They would go to Washington. And I wouldn't put put it past Washington with the way they're playing defense right now to beat the Seahawks. That, w- that might be a mild upset, but I would, I, you know, as far as record goes. But I would not I would not put it past past Washington to, to give that one up. Seahawks could lose that game. Then the lowest remaining seed of the winners would then travel to Green Bay. Okay? So if Arizona gets the win, they would be traveling to Green Bay. Uh, if the Buccaneers win and beat the Rams, they would be traveling to Green Bay. Or Seattle or Washington could end up traveling still to Green Bay. So the only way you would face the Saints again is if they win and then win again in the NFC Championship game is going to be hosted uh, by the Green Bay Packers. So that still could happen, them being the two seed. But, uh, but yeah, the, the possibility I think is real. I, I think Arizona, even though I don't believe that they could go into New Orleans and get a win, I think Arizona, there's a possibility. But the Buccaneers getting a win over the Rams with a veteran and a savvy 
Tom Brady, who seems to rise to the occasion in the postseason, I could see them getting the win. They would be the sixth seed. So if the sixth seed beats the three seed, then you would see the Rams out of it, and the Buccaneers at a sixth seed would then have to come to Lambeau Field. Now, if the Rams would win, most likely, if the Rams win and the, the Saints win, that knocks out the sixth and the seventh seed. Then you're going to be playing the winner of Washington and Seattle at Lambeau Field. Again, we still have a lot of football left to play, but that's kind of the way things would shape up. So you would either play Washington or Seattle, the winner of that contest, would then come and face the Green Bay Packers. So, And I think the Packers could beat either one of those teams. 855-830-8648-855-830-8648. If you want to give us a shout, by all means do so. Again, 855-830-8648. Uh, got a lot to get to, as we have a lot of people that uh, want to chime in on all of this. And I got some emails to read here at the bottom, uh, or at the uh, towards the end of the show. But when we come back, Mike Clemens, our Green and Gold Insider, is going to be joining us. We'll chat with him a little bit about this Green Bay Packers team, not only yesterday, but uh, as they start to position themselves for the postseason. This uh, segment sponsored by our friends at Massage Envy on Capitol Drive in Brookfield. And, uh, the introductory offer for a customized facial, just 60 bucks, And if you buy $110 worth of gift cards, you're going to get a free hour service. Free, F-R-E-E, free hour service. Call them 262-786-5060. That's 262-786-5060. Mike Clemens, our Green and Gold Insider, joining us next on the Bill Michael Show. Wisconsin-wide, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. Here's Jamal Agnew. Jamal Agnew, big return. There goes Jamal Agnew, and finally gets taken out by Mason Crosby. Um... Yeah, very frustrated. Number one, very frustrated. Um, you know, it's it's a deal where you, we've tried to clean those things up, and you give up something like that in one or two plays is a disaster. Yeah, special teams for the Packers have have not been special, specifically the last three, four weeks, five weeks really. Sean Mananga has his work cut out for him, not to be the Achilles heel of this team as they start to get down the stretch and into the postseason. Welcome back. Hey, a reminder, it's not a betting site. I mean, it's not a betting app, but BetQL can help you if indeed you are somebody that likes to uh, look at the odds, so to speak, and all the statistics that would help you when it comes to maybe a little uh, little side wagering, a uh, little, little wagering in general, for that matter, go to BetQL. BetQL is an app you can download on your mobile device. You can go to BetQL.com, open up an account, and uh, just see all the, uh, the the key statistics that may or may not help you uh, along the way if uh, you are a betting person or you like to play the odds. Uh, but go to BetQL.com or just download the app, BetQL, on your mobile device. Again, it's not a betting uh, site but it can help you with all the stats and statistics you may need. Uh, Mike Clemens, our Green and Gold Insider, joining us on the Schneider Orange Hotline. And, and Mike, uh, let's start with the uh, special team. Sean Menanga's got his work cut out for him. This thing cannot be the Achilles heel of this team down the stretch. We've seen too many NFC Championship games go by the wayside because of special teams. Yeah, and I'm. it's hard to figure out because, you know, players on special teams – there's some organization, uh, particularly on the coverage teams, you're supposed to run a lane 
There's certain things you're supposed to watch. There's edges you're supposed to cover. But for the most part, it's what it is. It's running down the field as fast as you can and trying to get a speedy ball carrier down uh, shortly after catching the football. J.K. Scott hung a, uh, did not hang a couple of punts in a couple of those returns and situations that they've had. His punting's been a little off uh, for whatever reason. You know, he missed He almost didn't make it to Indianapolis. He had to come down on a private plane because of a, a personal matter, and we don't know what that is. Uh, since then, he's, you know, I think he's got things back together. But Sean Menegas is, is trying to figure this out with the inconsistencies as you get closer to the postseason. And now he's, you know, he's given up three now. And they, they knew that Agnew was going to, is this guy's returned four to the house in the last couple of years. Um, and so they knew he could be a threat. And yet he gasses them, you know, down the left sideline, right in front of Matt LaFleur and those guys. And you got Mason Crosby having to push him out. Uh, fortunately, the defense was able to hold and to, to a field goal. So Sean was asked about this. Has the, has the coverage teams performed in the past four weeks? Are they on the decline? And what, what are some of the reasons he sees? We haven't had a lot of explosive plays, but we've played pretty clean. And then we give up. You know, there's there's one or two plays. And like I said before, I mean, it's it's 31 play series on special teams, and you give up something like that in one or two plays is a disaster for a game. I mean, it can change the whole game and stuff. And that's so it's been extremely frustrating. But there's never. In special teams, I mean, we can fit kickoffs and and we can we can cover punts and lanes and those kind of things. But it's not like defense where, you know, if I'm if I'm running an over front or an under front or I'm running a, a bare front and I'm going to run and work against inside zone or I'm working against power and in a certain formations and guys are going to be in similar spots. And in special teams, it's it's such a space play that there's no two plays that are ever the same. And so you want guys you know used to being next to each other and those kind of things and you know, we just we've had some breakdowns where you know guys have gotten pinned or avoided the wrong way, or you know there's been some missed tackles and things like that. So, you know, we just try to teach these guys and show them on film, and we'll you know we'll go through and we'll try to drill it the best we can. And again, it's it's very frustrating because you don't want those things to happen, and um, you know we don't want regression. I mean, I felt like we've we've taken steps, and then obviously we've slid back here and stuff. So it's it's very frustrating. I guess do they need to appoint gunners and such, or has this thing just been all herky-jerky because injuries have caused guys to become starters and then suddenly guys are more valuable and they're not playing special teams? What has been the problem? Yeah, that's one thing because Lazard was playing on a gunner role last year. And I told you several weeks ago that Menenga actually just kind of volunteered this. Um, we were looking for who who stands out in your coverage teams. when this, Before this really had become an issue and he smilingly and in a good mood he said uh, oh you know i can count on will redmond i can count on equinemia st brown and malik taylor i like to call them my first in guys you know essentially gunners or the guys that he can depend on that have got the speed that have got the drive uh that are a little bit of crazy to get down the field to hustle and be the first guy to break down once that ball is is picked up by the ball carrier I've got to think that, that that would be the smart thing to do as you now start thinking about postseason. Who are the guys you're going to depend on at those edges? And we asked Sean about that. Do, do you need to designate two role players at Gunner? Um, I don't think the, really the Gunner depth has been. You know, there, there's some guys as injuries happen and things, and you, you roll some different you know younger guys in and stuff that maybe aren't as experienced. But 
we felt like we've always had enough guys there that we wouldn't have to use a veteran guy. I mean, there's, you know, there's a limited pool there and stuff. And I, I think just as the trickle down effect happens and stuff, I mean, as you, as you start losing guys and, and guys get elevated in different roles and things, I mean, you're going to call on a guy if, if need be and stuff. And those guys come to meetings and are ready, but um, you know, it's, there's a limited pool of players and that's just the way it is this point in the year and stuff. And we've, we've just got to make sure everybody's ready and, and doing their job. Uh, that being said, regarding the special teams, I mean, obviously the defense is the other area of concern, Mike, and maybe more so is it little middle linebackers? Is it defensive front? I, I like what Chris Bar- Barnes is doing, but it's like they've got guys that uh, Kamal Martin has come on, but as far as snaps go, you're not seeing guys get as many snaps as maybe we would like. The plan was Christian Kirksey, I mean, this is, you know, in the offseason in the spring. And then another inside linebacker to be determined, maybe your fifth-round pick and Kamal Martin, maybe Ty Summers steps it up. Let's see what happens when we get into camp. I found this really interesting. First of all, Patton will say, you know, if that offense of ours, that dynamic offense is up by two touchdowns, then that changes things that we're going to do on the defense. And he'll go to the dime because he just assumes that now their opponent is trying to play catch-up and they're going to, start throwing the ball around, so he's just going to sit back in there the dime and he's going to give up the run. Well, you saw that happen. That, that cost them because Frank Wright figured that out coming out of the locker room at halftime down in Indianapolis. We'll just run the damn ball until they change. They've seen that pattern. But Mike Patton basically has admitted now that after Christian Kirksey, there was quite a while there where he didn't trust anybody because of what he had available. Kamal Martin, who flashed in training camp that was out several weeks with the knee. Most recently, Chris Barnes, who he put in that position, has been out with the COVID. He just got back in. But basically what he's saying here is, Oren Burks and Ty Summers, I don't feel good about putting the radio helmet on those guys. And so that's why he has spent much of the season waiting for those guys to get back. And so he talked about that, that way he, that's the way he saw this interior defense as the only inside linebackers he trusted was Chris Barnes. For a stretch of time, that you know, there was only one linebacker we felt that was it, that in that group compared to, you know, relative to, to, the, uh, to the other players, whether that was an extra safety or even an extra lineman or outside backer when we, when we get into the 5-1 stuff. So, uh, but we're feeling much more confident about that group now. Uh, and, and, and with, the, uh, with Ravens' unfortunate situation with the injury, uh, that, that um, we can certainly see as that inside linebacker groups getting healthy, you know, with, with, uh, with, with KB coming back and being, being full go along with, uh, Kamal and, and, and Kirko. I mean, you feel like we got three guys there that, that, uh, that we could, we can roll for, for those, whether it's one or two jobs that are out there. And then we also, from, from a safety standpoint, have some young guys that, that we, uh, you know, that, that we feel good about in, in Vernon and, and Henry. So, uh, you know, we'll see what, um, you know, as, as we move forward, I, I think it'll be kind of a combination of all of it. But we, you know, but to land the plane, I, I, I do feel like you know, we do feel better about the, about that inside backer room. Mike, I, I guess with Raven Green and that shoulder injury, he talks about that secondary and feeling good about that group. It's glad that he's feeling better about the linebackers. But with Raven Green, as much as you can say, well, how how integral is Raven Green? He did play a, a key role. I mean, everybody, it seems to be a, a defense and, well, an offense for that matter, of role players, not stars. And Raven Green played a role. He did. And the thing is, 
Mike Patton prioritizes trying to stop the deep pass over the team trying to run the football on you on first down. It's just the way he's wired. He famously said in a session late last season when the Super Bowl was going to be held in Miami, he said, you know what, it's easier to fly to Miami than to run to Miami. Basically, I would rather uh, give up some runs up the middle rather than worry about the deep ball over you know, Adrian Amos's head. So with a guy like Raven Green who can still have a bit of the speed like a safety but also can step up over the middle and help bring down a tight end or a running back breaking through, you know, like a Delvin Cook, um, you know, that's what he wants. Well, this guy, once again, is out now with a shoulder injury. It looks like it's season-ending. I mean, he's not only on IR, but LaFleur kind of intimated, like, it doesn't look like he's going to be able to come back. You know, Patton is probably looking for who's going to replace him. And, you know, so there was a thought that I had that from listening to him, if he's got Barnes and he's got Kamal Martin back, you know, Kirksey, he has said before, he said this about a month ago, Christian Kirksey's really natural position is not inside linebacker, but a weak side linebacker. That's what he did in Cleveland. And he's got the speed, and maybe we could have him covering tight ends. Now, you saw him doing that yesterday, and they brought in Will Redman, who's not like Raven Green. Well, Redman could not stop big running backs. So Patton was asked about, you know, with Raven Green out with the shoulder, um, what do you, where do you go from here? Uh, potentially, I mean, it's a, a lot of it is 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 driven by the opponent and and what situations that that we're in. Are are we in? You know, is it is it second and longer? Is it is it third down? Uh, what's the you know what's the score of the game? Are 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 we up and not as concerned about the run? Uh, and sometimes you just you know just feel matchups, kind of what they're doing schematically. Uh, so it's it's a combination of factors. I mean, I can't sit here and say. Uh, that um, you know what the what the numbers are going to be. We don't. I don't really go into a game with a with a plan because everything that we do is so re- so reactionary. So, um, I, as I, as I just said, I I just see it kind of being a blend of 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 everything that we that we talked about, whether going rolling with two true linebackers or um, or, or still still going with the uh, still going with the extra safety, and then then obviously we have the stuff that we do out of the where we have. You know, five bigs on the field with um, with a single linebacker and a, and a nickel secondary. Well, some questions on offense. Uh, well, they're minimal, but the defense and the special teams, those are big questions. We're uh, going to stop and take a break, come back. A lot more to get to. Mike Clemens, our Green and Gold Insider, as we break down this team moving forward, heading towards the postseason and such. And I, I know special teams are <laughs> – it's an area of concern for a lot of people. we got more of the Bill Michael Show coming up. Um, yeah, very frustrated. You're listening to the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. Rodgers looking for Devontae Adams. Cutting it to the inside, and there he goes for a Packers touchdown. Number 14 to lead the NFL this year for Devontae Adams. And number 37 for Aaron Rodgers to lead the NFL as well. What a duo this is. You know, if a defense wants to, they, they can really target and try to take an individual away. And a lot of times that happens to be the guy wearing number 17. Welcome back. Glad you are with us. And it continues to get better and better between those two. Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams. Devontae with the move, the shake and bake, and off he went, taking it to the house. 
Glad to have you back. Uh, Mike Clemens, our Green Gold Insider, joining us on the Schneider Orange Hotline. And uh, that was, we talked with Jordy Nelson about the back shoulder throw and why it's kind of gone by the wayside. But that throw was a back shoulder throw, Mike. Yeah, it was kind of weird, though, because when you watch the replay, uh, Devontae's actually, I mean, the guy, this Amani Aurora is a second round, the second year kid, fifth round pick out of Penn State, number 24. And he's got kind of outside leverage. And I'm still trying to think if Rodgers at the last second saw, oh, this guy's outside, maybe if I throw it inside, I can see a lane there for Devontae. I mean, it's just, this is split-second stuff, but this is where Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers are on just some next level. Because, you know, it looks like Devontae's trying to shoot for the sideline and then will turn back to his right and get the back shoulder throw but he ends up sort of catching the ball over his head and turns it into an inside run. And from there, you know, it, 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 he just goes for it. And he, he races 60, 56 yards into the end zone. For the eighth consecutive game, he has scored a touchdown. You have to go back to 1944 and Don Hudson, who actually had eight consecutive games two or three years there during World War II. That's how far back... That's how tough that record is. And you start looking at all these other names, too, like Carol Dale and Donald Driver and James Lofton and all these other great Packer players over the years. And this guy beats all those guys. Now he's number one in the record book, in the Packers record book. And he, he talked about that play. I mean, I, I, felt, I felt really good about it. Aaron put it in a spot where um, initially it was kind of tough, but after the, the adjustment inside to the ball, um, I kind of had to body it a little bit, and I didn't feel his presence anymore because it actually ended up turning into a much better pass than a, a regular back shoulder because um, I was actually able to keep moving upfield and not lose too much speed. And I don't think it uh, – I think the, the DB kind of was caught off guard by, by that a little bit. But, um, yeah, once I came down with it, took a couple strides upfield, I knew the corner wasn't, wasn't really in play anymore and the safety was kind of in no man's land. So it was really just about me being precise with my feet and, um, you know, just – Getting, getting those knees up and getting the end zone. So I, I felt pretty good about it. The offense, and Mike, we talked about this a little while ago, the offense seems to be really just fluid. It's, it's, I, I, I hate to compare it to 2011 because the personnel are very different, but it kind of feels like that, that things just, you know, Aaron Rodgers is making it look effortless right now. And the other thing is this. The Green Bay Packers offense is one of the reasons that they were jumping out and scoring first and the first seven or eight games of the year is because Battlefloor even said that late Friday afternoons, like, you know, there's no question. Right now we are most efficient with our scripted first 15 plays. It's because the guys are mentally ready. We, we, we get into a rhythm when we practice that in our final practice, you know, when we're going full speed. Um, and then after that, you know, it's just a little bit more unpredictable because the situations change. Maybe somebody has to leave the game. And and I didn't I wasn't bothered that the fact that Matthew Stafford and the Lions put up 14 points to match the Packers you know toe to toe in the first half because Daryl Bevel's a good offensive coordinator and he's got a team that's excited and back on and probably working harder because they apparently all hated Matt Patricia's guts so you saw you saw Daryl Bevel and Matthew Stafford's first 15 or 20 plays as well and the game went back and forth like that the real key is this. Is this offense now in sync and with the weapons you've got between Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, you've got a left tackle and David Bakhtiari, highest paid in the league, you've got Aaron Jones, 
would have kind of seemed to be, you know, keep it in the garage. Let's let Jamal Williams pound the rock. Let's keep Aaron Jones when we really need him for the big time. How good is this offense, Devontae Adams? Can it take you to the Super Bowl? You know, I'm, I'm enjoying where we're at, enjoying where the position that my coach and uh, my quarterback are putting me in and, and the rest of the wideouts, rest of the team. So, you know, it, it can get scary because the more people we get on that boat, the more get comfortable, fully comfortable out there to where they feel like they should win every time and make every single play. And that's when, you know, it's going to be off the chain around here. Off the chain around here. You know, look, uh, you, you know, I've always said you got to be good. Uh, you got to be lucky. You got to be healthy, but you got to get hot at the right time. And it certainly seems like, again, it's against lesser talent. I don't want to get out of my skis, but it certainly seems like, at least offensively, they're getting hot at the right time. They are. And then on the other side of the coin, you know, we talked to Daryl Bevel, the former Wisconsin Badger coach, the quarterback coach in Green Bay that was there that first year with Aaron Rodgers and with Brett and you know with the Vikings and with the with the Seahawks when they won the Super Bowl and. You know, this guy is not only missing his two starting cornerbacks against Devontae Adams and crew, but Everson Griffin then, who was Friday, was talking really excited about going against his old foe, David Bakhtiari. All those years, those two went back together. You know, Bakhtiari used to call this guy the best defensive end in the NFC North. And then uh, Griffin ends up testing positive for COVID. So Daryl Bevel talked about those challenges after the game last night. Yeah, it's, it's always, you know, tough to lose players um, of that caliber. You know, we had guys, you know, Kareem Martin was able to, to get in there and get some, some reps for us and, um, you know, gave effort. They fought their best ability out there. Would we love to have Everson? Absolutely. And, that, you know, I think you can make a difference for us. Uh, but that wasn't the case today. And, you know, you're going up against a great offense there and a great quarterback. I think we did get them in a couple of, uh, you know, some long situations that they were able to get, you know, to, to convert those into uh, shorter situations. Um, got to do a better job on third down, make those a little bit longer so, uh, so it's harder to convert some of those. Uh, but we'll go back and we'll make those corrections and look at it on tape. I, uh, I know that that catch that wasn't a catch by Marvin Jones, uh, the way it was called, that kind of deflated them a little bit, but they still went on to score after that. It just took about two and a half more minutes to get to the end zone. Yeah, I, you know, Marvin Jones always comes up with these big plays against Green Bay, and I thought that this was just another one. They said he was out of bounds, and the tape didn't look like it. But here's what Marvin said after what could have been him having it first and ten for his team at the one Green Bay one yard line. Very difficult. It's just um, I, I think it, you know when something like that happens. Um, you know, you get more motivated, you know, to make another catch, you know. So right when that happened and they took that away, um, I was like, shoot, I want to I want to get something again. So, um, you know, you just got to, you know, put it put it uh, behind you, um, you know, because it is what it is. You know, you can't you can't change it. Or, um, you know, they'll they'll probably look at it and holler at coach tomorrow and, you know, and, and tell and tell the truth. No, <laughs> tell the truth. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I do got a question for you, Mike, and I, I can always hold off on this, but I got a question about Matt Patricia before it's all said and done. So don't let me forget this because I had a couple of people ask me this question, but I do know uh, the Packers coming out in that third quarter, you know, look, I, I don't think they in, intended to go on that long drive, but that certainly set the tone for the second half of that game. Yeah, well, they won the toss, elected to defer, and Matt Stafford raced the Lions down the field and into for a touchdown. So Green Bay knew they're getting the ball back. And the fact that they kept the Lions to only three plays in the third quarter to help change momentum, Aaron Rodgers said definitely was a turning point. Matt LaFleur asked, so were you trying to have long, sustained drives to dominate the third quarter? Well, not necessarily. I, I think that just kind of was the we, – we took what they were giving us. And it was a bunch of single high and 
the run game wasn't as explosive as we'd like, but that, that tends to happen when you're, you're going against loaded boxes. Um, and just, you know, we were methodical in our approach. I also think we had a couple penalties that kind of set us back. We were in some of those get back on track situations and, um, you know, our guys just stuck with it and, you know, grinded out in that third quarter. It was, it was awesome to see our defense get that three and out. And we were able to follow up that uh, it was roughly nine minute drive with about an eight minute drive to go up two scores, which I think was, you know, really the difference in the game. And it pretty much was. It kind of, it, it just, uh, I, I think the, the way it was described was death by a thousand cuts when it came to uh, the Packers just kind of grinding on that defense of the Detroit Lions. But I appreciate the fact, I keep comparing this to 2011, but that 2011 team was vastly different. Uh, that was a lot of guys that could be stars on any team, where this team is just different. Well, and Aaron Rodgers was asked about this, too. I mean, he he said the other day, now this would be the seventh NFC division title that they've won since he was the starting quarterback. They've been to four NFC championships, but those are always on the road. I mean, the last one at home, I guess, was the one when Favre threw the ball to Corey Webster and the Giants went on to, to beat the Patriots back in 07. So, you know, this is why Rodgers has started to say early in the season, after they beat the Saints, it's like, we've got to get home. We've got to play at home. I'm convinced, because I think he already predicted, it's us and the Saints at the end of this thing. Maybe the Rams and their mm-hmm. great defense. So the other, the other thing that's different is what's different about this team than all those division winners under Mike McCarthy? First of all, when you give a guy a role, you empower him. And when that, that player embraces that role uh, and makes the most of it, it, it lifts the entire squad. And I feel like when you have a guy, and I'll single him out again, uh, like Mercedes, who embraces his role. He's a wide tight end on the ball blocker. Uh, he occasionally gets a target, but he is an on the ball physical guy. And this, the standard that he sets and his approach and his professionalism, I think it sets a great example of what it means to be a role player. I I would agree with that. I You don't have a bunch of superstars, but everybody does one thing or two things well, not everything well. Superstars do everything well. A lot of these guys do one or two things well, and that's what you rely upon. But the other thing is, don't let these guys sit idle. you got to find some assignments for right. them. And let them establish themselves in that. So now here you are, ten and three. You got a good shot of going thirteen and three again. And so Matt Lafleur was asked, "Okay, have you improved? Last year you were thirteen and three, <clears throat> your rookie year. What's different in twenty twenty? You know, I just feel really good about our team. But again, we're going to focus one day at a time. And, and I know we have the Carolina Panthers coming up on a short week. And I'm, I know they'll be gassed up, ready to play. It sounds like they're going to get some guys back. And um, we got to make sure we bring our best each and every week. Because if you don't, it's just too competitive in this league. You can't take anything for granted. you got to earn everything that you get. And that's the mindset and the mentality that we need to have. We need to – and it all starts with our preparation. And I felt like that our preparation and just the energy and excitement to, to come to work each and every day – has been getting better and better. And our guys understand what's at stake. There's a lot to play for. And certainly, um, again, you, you just got to gotta earn it one game at a time. Mike, is this year's team better than last year's team? Oh, yeah. And you know why? Particularly that offense and the execution. And then you see players growing on the other side of the ball, like Rashawn Gary, 
Darnell Savage, smarter every game, um, a guy who's enthusiastic, wants to make the big play, and Lafleur says, you know, with Savage, if he just lets the, the, the game come to him a little bit, then he'll get those picks and turnovers. That's a good problem to have. I like this team in the sense, Mike, that uh, when you look at them as opposed to last year, they also have the experience from what they had last year coming out of that NFC Championship game. Yeah, and the other thing, too, is I don't see a, a powerhouse team on the NFC side of the coin like where the 49ers were a year ago at this time. The Rams' defense is really improving, and you know it seems like Sean McVay has got you know Jared Goff to at least execute the the offense to get them through. Uh, the Saints, we know what they're all about. They're a little bit better team than what you faced down in New Orleans, you know, back in September. But I don't see that powerhouse in the NFC like the 49ers were a year ago at this time. Uh, let's do this. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. I got a question for Mike Clemens as well uh, regarding Matt Patricia. Stay tuned. We got more of the Bill Michael show up next. <laughs> Welcome back. Only a couple of minutes to go before we get out of here. Mike uh, Clemens joining us, our Green and Gold Insider. Hey, Mike, uh, I've been asked numerous times if by chance the Packers decide to part ways with their defensive coordinator, Mike Pettin, uh, Matt Patricia's name came up. And I was watching uh, this morning on the NFL Network about where he could possibly land. Do you think Matt Patricia – I mean, I know what, what you stated was that the guys apparently just hated him. Do you think he lands somewhere, and would uh, Green Bay be a landing spot for Matt Patricia, who was considered a pretty good defensive coordinator under Bill Belichick before he became the head coach of the Lions? I think he would go back to New England um, and, and, and help out Belichick again uh, before he would do that, or maybe take some kind of a college game, a college assignment. You know, the thing about it is the the – the road is littered with careers from Steve Mariucci to Jim Caldwell. I mean, to good people, you know, have mm-hmm. gone through that place. And we've talked long about Matt Millen, you know, was it all him or was it the family pushing him and some of the choices that he made and the way the team was run his, I think he was there eight years or so. Uh, you know, the, they've got, you know, the, one of the daughters now is is supposed to be the, the figurehead of Detroit, so that's what figures in there. Why wouldn't I see Matt Patricia uh, making that connection? Well, first of all, there seemed to be a little juice between Matt Patricia and the Packers, uh, whether it was McCarthy or Joe Philbin or or uh, or even uh, Matt Lafleur. I also mm-hmm. think that uh, you know Nathaniel Hackett is so positive and so vocal. And Lafleur, as you see from the podium, is a little bit more reserved. I mean, Lafleur's kind of the surgeon, you know, of the place. Mm-hmm. He's the doctor. He's the pilot, uh, and he needs more, probably more of a rah-rah guy if he moved on from Mike Pettin, because Mike Pettin is is very dry, very calculated. You saw him get emotional when they had twelve men on the field yesterday. You know, right. both getting blown up. But I would think that if if Matt Lafleur brings in his own guy, and I don't see him. I don't see him bringing in a Dan Quinn guy. But Dan Quinn's a very good players coach. Um, I would think it would be probably someone from his past uh, 
that or one of his guys has a connection with that would be fresh and not a guy that you just faced in the division. I'd be really surprised if Matt Patricia was even interviewed in Green Bay. See, I, I thought so, too, and the fact that he really did not have a great exit from Detroit, uh, you know, if the reports are true, that basically when the announcement made he was fired, that guys cheered. I can't imagine Green Bay in any way, shape, or form wanting him, but uh, it was just a question that was posed, and it was some, one of the scenarios that was put out there this morning, and I thought, I just didn't see it happening, and maybe I'm wrong, but uh, well, here's the other thing. So Sheila Ford-Hamp now is running the thing, and, and now if she does the right thing, and hires a good GM, and then lets him run football and stays the hell out of it, can you know them? Can that guy turn things around? Now, there's other kinds of candidates are out there. But I had kind of an oh-my-God moment over the weekend. It's a guy who, you know, the Browns are doing pretty good right now, right? And the mm-hmm, Chiefs, right. they won the Super Bowl. Who was at both of those teams when they were totally rebuilding? Oh, Dorsey. I know. His name's being kicked around as well. I mean, you know, they're talking about him for the Jaguars, and I thought, oh, great, that's a good fit. But then when you realize the Lions are are right now looking for a general manager to rebuild their roster, rebuild their football operation, and John Dorsey sitting there? Yeah. Yeah, that would not be good. <laughs> that nope. would not be good no. for Green Bay. Not for the Green Bay perspective, absolutely. Nope. Mike, good stuff as always, pal. Thank you, Billy. There you go, the Green and Gold Monday in the books. Packers, the top seed in the NFC as it sits today. We continue to get you ready for the Saturday night contest against the Carolina Panthers coming up all throughout the week. We'll mix in a few other things as well, but uh, good stuff today. Good stuff for all the callers as well. Great to hear from everybody all throughout the network. Time for us to get out of here until we talk again. Have a go. See you. Sports Talk Network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.